Thank you. Our guest today is a dear friend of mine and Victory Church. I have uh, known uh, Doug Clay for many, many, many years. Uh, I've watched uh, God use him in a different ministry. He pastored a, a great church there in Ohio. I think uh, started out maybe in Michigan and then uh, Ohio. I don't know if he's a Buckeye fan or not, but I, I know that my relationship with him started in Ohio. And of course, he's a great supporter of Emerge Ministry, as of which his sister Debbie and brother-in-law John head up, and a great, great ministry there. Uh, and then, of course, uh, he became the general counsel treasurer, the executive general counsel treasurer, because of his financial expertise, and uh, did a wonderful job there. And then, about a year ago now, uh, he was uh, elected as the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God. There is no higher office in our church that can be held than general superintendent. And so uh, he's uh, that person. I've watched him. He's faithful. He's a worshiper. He loves Jesus. He can preach. He lives what he says. He's a great business person, a great motivator, a great visionary. And so it was a wonderful experience for us to be able to invite him on this special day to celebrate 50 years of ministry and marriage. Would you welcome my dear friend, Pastor Doug Clay, everybody. Thanks. The best I can. Thanks. Well, good morning, saints. This is the day the Lord has made, amen, and we'll rejoice and be glad in it. It's a delight for me to uh, add my heartfelt uh, appreciation, thanks, and words of affirmation to the Blackburns. You know, if you're new with us or you're new to the body of Christ or maybe new to uh, church life, what's happening today is very, very biblical. Uh, Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 and 13, it's, the message translation puts it this way, Honor leaders who work so hard for you, those who've been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in obedience. Overwhelm them with appreciation and love. So everything that's being done to honor the servant of the Lord that's given 30 years of their 50-year ministry is very appropriate. So today, Wayne and Sharon, on behalf of the Assemblies of God Worldwide, 70 million adherents worldwide. We thank you for your leading, shepherding, loving, guiding this flock, a local congregation, to have a global impact. So, Victory, one more time, can we express our appreciation for your God-sent leader, Wayne and Sharon Blackburn? Yeah. I want to invite you this morning to turn in your copy of God's Word to John chapter 6. I want to bring a message that sort of parallels the theme of today, but has some spiritual challenges and truths for all of our lives today, and it comes from the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. John chapter 6, begin reading in verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. A great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs that he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near, and when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? 
Now he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, You know, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have one bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, Here's a boy with five small barley loaves, two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Don't let anything be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of five barley loaves left over from those who had eaten. The feeding of the 5,000. It's not a parable. It actually happened. It's a story that is uh, one of the most familiar miracles in all of the New Testament. In fact, other than the resurrection of Jesus... This is the only miracle that's recorded by in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So it's obvious that the Holy Spirit had this desire to impress the truth of this miracle in our hearts and in our minds. Now, as you can tell from reading through this miracle, it's a whole lot more than a physical feeding of a huge crowd. This miracle actually teaches us how Jesus spiritually feeds the world through his disciples, through leaders, and through a church. It really was one giant step for the disciples, but it was just one small step for Jesus. Kind of like Pastor and Sharon's ministry here. Huge steps for them, small steps for Jesus. So let's take a look at this miracle, kind of parallel it against the backdrop of our theme today, as well as staying open to what the Holy Spirit through this miracle might be saying to you. As I comb through this miracle, there's a few things that really stand out to me. The the first truth that stands out to me in this miracle is this, don't ever let the size of an opportunity intimidate you. Don't ever let the size of an opportunity intimidate you. Did you notice that twice John used the word great to describe the crowd? It was a great crowd. There were about 5,000 men there. Now we can assume there were also women and children. So there was probably about 12,000 people gathered on that hillside. That's a big group of people to feed all at once. Where were they going to get, find enough food to do that? Can I submit to you, church, over and over again in history, particularly church history, the church of Jesus Christ has always faced this kind of situation, these kinds of odds, when it comes to fulfilling the Great Commission or advancing the kingdom of God. I think about the very first church on the day of Pentecost. The 120 spirit-filled disciples were called to reach a world that had a population of 250 million people. That's one believer for every 2 million people. They had no modern means, yet in one generation, they turned the world upside down. I think of the Assemblies of God, the network of churches that Victory is a part of. Did you know that one of it, at one of the first annual conferences, there were about 300 leaders that got together 
And they adopted this vision statement. It wasn't even called a vision statement back then, but they adopted this vision statement that says, we commend ourselves and this network of churches to be the greatest evangelism the world has ever seen. Well, now 104 years down line, did you know that there are 10 times more Assemblies of God churches than there are McDonald restaurants in the world? Somebody ought to say amen to that. 95% of the Assemblies of God lives overseas. 43% of the Assemblies of God in the United States of America is ethnic minority. You say, Doug, what's your point? My point is that embedded in the life of this fellowship as well as embedded in the life of this church is a belief that nothing is too hard for God. So don't ever let the size of an opportunity intimidate you. Who would have imagined that in 1968 when this couple, Wayne and Sharon, at the ripe old age of 18, decided to get married and in the same month would jump into ministry? And a good part of that 50-year journey, 30 years to be exact, it includes victory, a life-giving church that has this global impact, a church that believes nothing is too hard for God. And as a result, you as a congregation have given over $30 million to missions. You support over 184 missionaries and 40 missions organizations on a monthly basis, a dream center, a world-class high school. Why? Because this church believes believes nothing is too hard for God. You say, Pastor Clay, that's, that's nice. That's nice for the Blackburns. That's nice for victory. But how does that miracle really relate to me? Well, let me ask you this morning, <clears throat> are there some difficulties in your life that you're dealing with that are just too big for you to deal with? Maybe you're here this morning and you're in a difficult marriage. And it seems like there's overwhelming and unresolvable issues. Don't you dare forget, nothing's too hard for God. Amen. Maybe you're here this morning and your kids who once were a, a part of the church, once very uh, involved in the things of the Lord, have turned away and are living in some very destructive patterns of living and your attempts to reach out to them seem to keep driving them away. Don't you forget this morning, nothing is too hard for God. Maybe the Lord's calling some of you, whether you're students or whether you're in the, the prime of your career, to do something beyond your ability. Nothing's too hard for God. You see, Victory, Satan always wants you to focus on the size of the task so you'll get intimidated and you'll get discouraged, but Jesus wants you to look at the size of the opportunity and you remember just how big God is. When I think of all that's been accomplished in 30 years through the ministry of the Blackburns, through the ministry of victory, I think of that verse in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, where Jesus said, with man, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Amen. Don't ever let the size of an opportunity intimidate you. There's a second uh, life-giving truth out of this miracle that took place, and that would be this. Don't get discouraged by how little you have. Don't get discouraged by how little you have. Now, not only was the crowd twice described as great, but Jesus also twice described the resources as small. 
Five small barley loaves, two small fish. No wonder Andrew spoke up and said, Hey, how far will they go among so many? Again, I would remind you that when it comes to the work of God, Satan's tactic is to always kind of maximize the difficulty of what we're facing and then try to accentuate the minimal resources that we actually have. I think about that first church. Again, back in Acts chapter 2, the 120, the, the first church that gathered. On the day of Pentecost, they had very few resources. I mean, think about it. Uh, Jesus didn't leave them a hefty endowment to expand their ministry. He didn't even take up a, a seed faith offering. They had no discretionary funds. The only thing the Lord left behind to that first church were these instructions. Hey, I want you to pray and I want you to meet until the Holy Spirit comes upon you and energizes you to expand my kingdom here and around the world. I have the privilege and I've had the privilege of setting on boards where I've actually heard your pastor say the following phrases, quote, don't we believe that God is bigger? I've heard him say, do we really want to limit God? I've heard him say, hey, this isn't just a secular corporation. This is a ministry where God is our CEO. I got to tell you, your pastor has been a great source of encouragement to build faith in leaders, not only in this church, but around the world, to not get discouraged by how little you have, but to remember how big God is. You know, the enemy, the enemy of our soul, the enemy of the church, the enemy of ministries will always kind of mock how little you have. He wants you to get discouraged. He wants you to give up. He wants you to forget. But God wants you to remember how big he is. And I think what this miracle provides for us is an understanding that God is sovereign, God is powerful, God is everlasting, God is sufficient to meet the needs of His people. And I want you to know that the God you serve today, when you cry out to Him, He will rescue you in your time of need. Amen. Right. So stop looking at how little you have. And be reminded how quick God chooses to respond to those who love him and cry out to him. Amen. I suspect I discovered the, uh, the power and, and sort of the, uh, uh, the benefit of rescuing with my five-year-old grandson, Jackson. Now, let me ask, do we have any grandparents in the house? Can I see your hand? If you're a grandparent, raise your hand. Yeah. Have you discovered, like me, that grandkids are God's reward for not killing your own? We have five grandchildren ages six and under, and I am into this grandparenting thing. Well, I've also discovered, have you discovered this, how at a very early age those kids learn how to work this device right here. My five-year-old grandson Jackson knows how to FaceTime me. So he takes his, mom phone, his mom's phone and he punches in a few buttons. And anytime I see a FaceTime call coming in from Jackson, I, or from, that has my daughter's name, I know it's Jackson FaceTiming me. And it generally goes something like this. I hit the button and I say, Jackson. He says, Papa, how are you? And then he takes the phone from his mom's hand and he runs into his bedroom and he kind of shows me the dinosaurs that are all lined up there on his windowsill. And then he'll show me his Spider-Man backpack and 
some of his new Spider-Man paraphernalia that he has. And it's an awesome interchange with Jackson when he FaceTimes me. Well, this last December 22nd, I got a FaceTime call from Jackson that was this urgent plea. Now, here's the backstory to that. Jackson's mom, my daughter, got it in her head that if she were to change his diet, that somehow that would help his attention span. So in the middle of the Christmas holiday season, Jackson's mom, my daughter, put Jackson, five years old, on a gluten-free vegan diet. Come on, let me ask you, avocados in a blender or homemade peanut butter fudge, what would you rather have? Now, Mom and Dad, I want you to support me in this. I want you to support me in this. I'm like, I thought I raised her better than this. So on December 22nd, I see a FaceTime call coming in from Jackson. I'm thinking, oh, he got an early Christmas gift, or maybe he went to the mall and sat on Santa's lap. And so when I saw the call with my daughter's name, I hit the red button, and I said, Jackson, how are you, buddy? And on the other end of the phone, there was this sad, broken, depressed, sunken-in-cheeks face with tears coming down as Papa, I don't want to FaceTime you. Rescue me. Rescue me, Papa. <laughs> well, I knew exactly what that plea meant. I said, buddy, I'll be right there. I jumped in my truck. I ran over to the house. I picked him up. I put him in the front seat. I put that car strap over top of him. We went through the Sonic drive through We got an extra large cheesy fries and a strawberry Terminator lineman. I was rescuing my grandson Jackson from the bondage of a vegan gluten-free diet. He didn't have the resources, but he knew Papa did. <laughs> Don't get discouraged by how little you have, because we serve a God who, in our weakness, His strength is made perfect. Amen. We serve a God that's God all by Himself. We serve a God whose name is El Shaddai, the God of plenty, the all-sufficient one. We serve a God that the Bible says when you cry out to Him, He will rescue you in your time of need. I am so grateful that embedded into the DNA of this church is a belief that we're not going to be intimidated or discouraged by how little resources we have. There's a third truth from this uh, miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 that I think is really powerful this morning, and that's this. Don't ever forget that the Lord is with you, and He's on your side. Don't ever forget that the Lord's with you, and He's, he's on your side. Now, let's be honest. The, the formula for spiritual failure goes something like this. Look at the size of the task that you have, look at how little resources you have, and then leave the Lord out of the picture. But here's what I would remind us this morning, both as a church and as an affirmation to the leadership of the Blackburns. Jesus is always present to take whatever small things we have in our hands and use it to meet the need. It's a part of His nature.
for a couple minutes this morning, do me a favor. Um, put yourself in the place of the disciples who were called upon to pass out the food. It was their responsibility. In fact, Jesus called the 12 together and all he had were five small loaves, two small fish. And so I can imagine as these disciples came forward, they had their backs to their friends and their family, they had their backs to the 12,000 people. And all of a sudden, Jesus just starts breaking bread and kind of breaking up the fish. And as the disciples were looking into their basket, they see very little. And I'm thinking, they're thinking, uh, Lord, <laughs> we're your disciples here. That's our family out there. We, we've got reputation on the line. Do us a favor, Lord. If you're going to do a miracle, would you perform the miracle before we turn around? Would you just kind of do the miracle right? Or we we, we want to save face with our family. So, Lord, we don't want to look foolish. Go ahead and fill them now before we turn around so that when we turn around, it won't look foolish to them. Well, I can imagine Jesus with sort of this grin on his face thinking to himself, no, that's not really how I feed a crowd. And that's not how I want you to spiritually feed the world. You see, you always want to begin with your baskets full and have them end up empty. But in the work of the kingdom, I like you to start out with your baskets empty and have them end up full. Amen. So hear me this morning, Victory Church. I think way too many people have missed the method of how Jesus grows the kingdom because they always want everything in advance. They want to know where the resources are coming for. They want to know how Jesus builds the church. They want to know how are we going to do this building campaign. They want to know how we're going to start and sustain this new ministry. And yet Jesus seems to start out with little, with the task being big, because he wants you to remember that the Lord is with you and he's always on your side. Hey, say that with me. Don't forget the Lord is with you and he's on yours. Say it one more time. Don't forget that the Lord is with you and is on your side. Amen. See, I think it's easy sometimes to comprehend the omnipresence of God. We get it that he's everywhere at once, but sometimes we forget about the right here, right now presence of God, that God really is as close as the mention of his name. Another life lesson from grandson Jackson. So this last fall, we decided, uh, I, should, I decided to say, hey, Jackson, do you want to spend the night at Papa's house? First night away from his own home, first night to spend the night by himself at Papa and Mimi's house. So uh, mom consented to that, and I went over and picked up Jackson. She had his backpack off fixed in there. She had, she had a little note card with all these instructions like how much water I should mix in with the apple juice and what kind of snacks. Like, I'm really going to follow that, okay? You know, you come to Papa's house, it's, rules are out the window. And so, um, but I appeased her, yeah, 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 we'll do that. So I, Jackson coming over and we watched some videos and we played, it was getting about bedtime, so I, I got him his apple juice and his, his appropriate snacks, got his jammies on, and he was going to stay in a guest room. About the time I was putting him down, a southwest Missouri storm blew up. 
I mean, one of those loud thunderstorm, brilliant lightning. And I could tell Jackson was just a little nervous. I said, hey, buddy, you want to sleep in Papa and Mimi's room? Yeah, yeah, I do. And so I fixed him up this little place right, right down below the side of my side of the bed. And I put him in there, and, and it seemed to work. He laid down, and I said, now, Jackson, go to sleep. But boom, there would be a crack of thunder. He'd pop up. I said, Jackson, lay back down. You're okay. There'd be a flash of lightning. He'd pop up. And then have you ever done, have you ever said something that you don't know where it came from? You don't know who programmed it in your life. It's probably my sister as my babysitter. She's nine years older than I am, and she babysat me all my life, and she's the one that probably programmed in this me. But at one point, I looked at Jackson, and in desperation to get him to lay still during the storm, I said, now, Jackson, I need to tell you something. You need to know that thunder is nothing more than God moving furniture up in heaven. (laughs) Oh, don't judge me. You've probably done the same thing, okay? Don't judge me. Now, that makes no meteorological sense, it makes no theological sense, but it seemed to work. Jackson said, oh, okay, and he laid down. I thought, cool. So I put my CPAP headgear on, and all these hoses were coming out, you know, and I I rolled over to kind of go to sleep, and man, there was the loud crack of thunder. And I could just feel a couple of eyes looking over the bed. So I... I kind of turned over and I looked and there was Jackson's eyes right there. Before I could say anything, Jackson says, Papa, do you think I could lay with you until God quits moving his furniture up in heaven? (laughs) I said, you bet, buddy. And so I picked him up and I plopped him down in the middle of the bed and when 30 seconds, he was out. You see, my presence represented a sense of security to him, and that security represented a sense of protection to him that he could rest comfortably even though a storm was going on. Come on, friends, don't you dare ever forget that the Lord is with you and on your side. He is as close as the mention of his name. He is your refuge. He is your strength. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. God hasn't given to us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. God will direct your step. If you lack wisdom, you can ask it of God, who gives it to us liberally and upbraideth not. So God is not just this omnipresent God that's the God of India, the God of Australia, the God of your... He's the God of the right here, right now, right by your side. And Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not be dismayed. Do not fear, for I am with you. And I will uphold you. I will sustain you with my victorious right hand. I think the word of the Lord for the church today, the word of the Lord for us this morning is this. Don't forget that the Lord is with you and he's on your side. I love this miracle. I love this miracle because it's not a parable. It really happened. There's so many spiritual truths that parallel the 30-year journey that the Blackburns have had here at Victory and our journey in life. But as we bring this teaching to the close, let me share some observations about the Jesus of this miracle that I think will be encouraging for you today. 
First of all, I noticed that the heart of Jesus in this miracle is this, don't ever turn people away. People matter to God. I mean, it would have been easy for him to recess the meeting, tell everybody to go on their own and find their own food, but he didn't. People matter to God. And can I tell you, victory has been a church where people matter to God. People matter to pastor. That's why his mantra is one more soul for Jesus. Because it's not about just building a big church for the name of victory or for the name of a denomination. It's about reaching one more for Jesus. It's about the seven people who in the first service this morning gave their life to Jesus Christ for the very first time. People matter to God. And so I pray that the heart of Jesus will continue to be the heart of victory. That people matter. Second thing I notice is the nature of Jesus. And the nature of Jesus is this. He can do a lot with a little. He can do a lot with what little we have. I mean, you think about it. Watch this. Five loaves, two fish, not enough. Five loaves, two fish, plus one Jesus, more than enough. Victory has been the recipient of a more than enough God. Don't stop believing that now. And finally, I notice the pattern of Jesus. The pattern of Jesus in building his kingdom is that he wants to use you. I mean, you think about it. He could have pulled this miracle off all by himself. In fact, he did it once before in feeding the children of Israel, a larger crowd. He fed them supernaturally for several years. So it's not like Jesus couldn't have pulled off the miracle all by himself, but I find it so so fascinating that he took the insignificant and the insufficiency of a little boy's lunch and then performed a huge miracle. You hear me this morning, church. God can do whatever he wants to do with victory. But the great thing is he wants to use you. He wants to involve you. And I would say, now is the time to engage in ministry. Don't let after these 30 years of missionally fruitful ministry to somehow just sort of set back and let the theme song of this church become, oh, those were the days, my friends. Because I don't think that's the desire of the leadership of this church that our theme song become those were the days, my friends. But I'd like the theme song of this church to be, hey, come and see what God is doing in our mix. Come and taste and see what God is doing. Come and experience the power of God in your life. The pattern that Jesus uses to accomplish the miraculous, it's kind of cool. He uses us. He uses us. So thank you, Victory, for being a healthy, life-giving, global-impacting church that believes you're not going to get intimidated by size of opportunity. You're not going to get discouraged by how little resource you have. And we're all going to remember that the church belongs to Him and that the Lord is with us and He's always on our side. Hey, let's pray. Lord, I thank you today that uh, what's true for the church and what's true for the life lesson that the disciples learned on 
physically feeding a large crowd has some real spiritual truths and ramifications for our lives. For Lord, there are times in our life when we feel what's facing us is incredibly overwhelming, intimidating. We do get incredibly discouraged, depressed at how little we have, thinking we can't face what's in front of us because of what little we have. And yet, Lord, I'm grateful today that when I become a Christ follower, God the Father takes parental responsibility for my life. And when God has parental responsibility for my life, I can face anything. Lord, I pray this morning for people who are here who may have never come to the place in their spiritual life where they know with confidence that they belong to you. They don't live with that full assurance that if they were to die today, they would spend eternity in heaven. They don't live with that full contentment that, that they belong to you and you belong to them. Oh God, today I pray, I pray for people who have yet to cross that line and, and surrendering their life to you, inviting you to come in and be Savior and Lord of their life, that today would be the day that they accomplish that. I'm going to ask you for just a couple of moments to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. You know, I can't imagine doing life without a relationship with Jesus. Because I know in my life I face situations <laughs> that are intimidating. That I don't have the right resources, the mental or emotional or physical ability to handle. That's when my relationship with Jesus becomes ever so vital and critical. But you may be here this morning and you'd say, Pastor Clay, would you include me in your final prayer? I've never come to that place where I've truly experienced being born again. Oh, I know a lot about the church. I've got friends that attend this church. I know some of the songs of the church. I, I know the cadence of the church. But if you were honest today, you would say, Doug Clay, I have never I have never invited Christ into my life to forgive me of my sins and establish himself. I've never truly lived with the assurance that I belong to God. Friends, don't let this moment pass you by. Not all Sundays are created equal. And I believe that God is giving you an opportunity to accept the grace of the Lord, the love of God, and the gift of salvation into your life. I'm not going to embarrass you and I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I do want to pray a prayer for you. So if you're here today and you would say, Doug Clay, would you please include me in your final prayer? I want to ask Christ to forgive me of my sin. I want to live with the full confidence that I belong to him, he belongs to me, and he's got parental responsibility for my life. Then while everybody else has their heads bowed and eyes closed, if that describes you, I want you to raise your hand and look at me so I can have a point of contact. Yeah, thank you. God bless you. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Someone else. You, thank you, ma'am. God bless you. Say, Pastor Clay, please include me. Include me in your final prayer. I want, I want to make eye contact. Again, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you. God bless you, ma'am. I want you to experience the joy of living life. Thanks, dude. I want you to experience the joy of living life with this confidence that God is for you and God is on your side. Thanks, young man. Someone else. Say, Pastor, please include me in your final prayer. This is really cool. About six adults have raised their hands. Yeah, thank you and thank you. 
So cool. Thank you. I can't promise you that your circumstances are going to change when you walk out of here, but here's what I can promise you. That Jesus Christ takes residency in your life and that the Holy Spirit becomes kind of the guide of your life to be able to handle that. And when the Holy Spirit's living inside of you, He reminds you that the Lord is with you and on your side. He reminds you that it doesn't matter how little you have, you've got God on your side. One final ask. Would you like me to include you in my final prayer? If that describes you, just, yeah, thank you, ma'am. I'm glad I waited. Yeah, thank you. Hey, this is what I'd like to, oh, thank you. God bless. Sorry. Um, hey, I want to pray a prayer. It's a simple prayer. It's a prayer maybe that uh, a lot of us have prayed before. But today, this prayer is for some adult individuals who are saying, today is the day that I want to I just start living with this full confidence that I'm a child of God, that I belong to Him. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer, but I'm going to ask all of victory, would you pray this prayer with me? Actually, repeat this prayer with me, okay? Pray it with me. Lord Jesus, I do believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, who came from heaven to earth to show me how to live and to die for my sins. I am a sinner. I need a Savior. I invite you into my life and ask you to forgive me of my sins and establish yourself as my Savior and my Lord. With my mouth I confess, in my heart I believe that you are the way, the truth, the life. I accept your gift of eternal life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, congratulations. Congratulations. Congra Come on, it's a great place to clap right there. Congratulations. 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 Welcome to the family of God. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ah, I'm so grateful for your commitment today. I, I do pray that don't leave this auditorium without connecting with one of the pastors or connecting with someone at the, uh, up front here. This, this church is committed to journeying with you and helping you to discover all that God has for you and all that God's plans are for your life. On behalf of the kingdom of God and especially the assemblies of God, Victory Church, thank you. Thank you for not being just another religious institution that meets. Thank you for understanding that people in this part of Florida and people around the world have a right to taste and see that the Lord is good. And I pray God's good hand of favor and blessing over you in coming days. God bless. Would you uh, kindly stand, please, everybody? We know the Bible says in James, the fifth chapter, uh, in verse 14, about any, any of you that are not well or sick in your body, that God is able to, uh, to touch you and heal you. I know there are miracles in this house right now. Amen. Why would God call us together to worship and then withhold something that he has for us? But what often stands in the way is disobedience. 
we freeze up, maybe pride, or we think, well, maybe another day. God's timing is perfect. God's moment for you is now. And so can you imagine if the king of the universe is nudging you and pulling on you and say, you know what, that need you have, that commitment you just made, I want you to go down and stand in agreement with someone. The devil will never tell you that, but only the voice of God would encourage you to do that. As we sing this one song, I'll give the benediction in a moment. Whatever your need is, you just slip down right now. Let's see what God will do in your life. Here we go, everybody. So good. Oh, you are good. You're good. So good. Oh, you are good. Just come right on now, friend. altar workers are going to be here just a few more minutes this is the climax of what we believe and what we do God answer prayer he does it let's believe God together that God will give us a great week a great afternoon and then let me say this afternoon at five o'clock you get it earlier if you want to don't worry about the weather God's got that we uh, do a lot of wonderful things here at Victory. I mean, things that we just say, wow, look what God did. And two or three years ago, I was uh, speaking with Dan and some others. I said, you know, what we don't do is we don't celebrate enough the miracles and the blessings and the fellowship that God has given us. So that's when we started. Hey, we're going to have more times of fellowship, more parties. That's what this afternoon is. And it's absolutely free. I pray you'll come and enjoy yourself and just rub shoulders with people. Stay as long as you like. Let's believe God together. Now, Father, I pray a pastoral blessing over this congregation you have given me to serve. I pray you'll give them favor. I pray you'll give them anointing. I pray you'll go before them. I pray that any barrier that the enemy is going to try to pull on some of them this coming week, God, you'll stand in the way of that and it will not happen, but the good favor of God will flow out of the heart of Jesus Christ into the lives of our families, Lord. We're looking toward that and believe that in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you, everybody. Thanks for being here.